everybody. Welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire. And all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up, and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I am here with Manja Quebec star, Michele Forgione. And hopefully I didn't bastardize his name because I I hate it when people do it to me. So was that I okay this time? You were perfect. Okay. Michele. So folks, I am a, I don't know. I've been told I'm officially Quebecois by all the crew from Montreal. Um, I have been treated like gold every time I step foot into Montreal. Um, and Michele's restaurants and what he brings to the table has always been above and beyond. So I'm really excited to get to sit down and talk. My last trip, he wasn't there. I was so bummed out. He was on vacation with his family, which well, well deserved. Yeah. <laughs> so Michele, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, like, uh, and without sugarcoating anything, I'm, just, I'm you know, I'm always, uh, listen. And I've always been a huge fan of yours and what you've done and what you do and and all that and and it was the um, the first time I think the the formal introduction that we got was in uh, uh, 2010 2011 2011 at DNA. Oh yeah, yeah. I did the dinner at DNA. I was there. I bought the tickets. So I called Derek. I said, Derek, is <laughs> I was the chef. In, in old Montreal, just up the street from DNA, and it was called Venti, Osteria Venti, celebrating the 20 regions of Italy. And so Derek and I, we were neighbors. And um, so I'm like, Derek, you've got to keep me two seats. You have to. So that was my introduction to you uh, and your cuisine uh, that I've known before, but to actually eating it and stuff like that. And I believe in the kitchen, there was also Elizabeth, Faulkner. Faulkner was there, yeah. And uh, and that was like a meal I could never forget. And you, I don't know if you remember, you came to my, this is 12 years ago now, Happy New Year, by the way, 2023. You came to my table and you had this, I don't remember what it was. Like, I think it was like a, listen, I don't remember what it was that you opened it up and there was a ton of sausages, links that came out. with. Sausage. Okay, I know exactly. So, do you remember this that? Was, this was the creation of a la Tonton. So it was the idea that I wanted to make that visual from Star Wars, right? So yeah. Luke is freezing. And by the way, folks, it was in the middle of the Festival uh, of Lights called the Lumiere Festival. Yeah. And, you know, there's guest chef events going on all over the city. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's freezing outside. I have to do a showstopper for this dinner, right? And I only made, I think, like a 10 of these because yeah. it was so much work. It was like you take a stomach and then you stuff it with three different types of sausage. So it looks like when Han Solo split open the Tauntaun and all the innards <laughs> came out and stuffed Luke in. So it's this tomato braised <laughs> stomach filled with 
green sausage, red sausage, white sauce, all different sizes and everything. And I remember coming to the table, we open the top, I pick it up and I, and it just spills all over the place. And I was like, later. And I just, I'm like, like, oh, <laughs> he's coming towards our table. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, what an honor. This And oh. then, boom, I'm like, okay. It was sort of like, it was like a bread sauce or whatever. I forget what it was, but like, it was something like that. And, and you had like Macmillan and crew sitting at the bar. And I remember like glancing at Derek and he's like, it's cool. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's my third, like the coxcomb. And the, it was something so, for me, so futuristic and out of my, like, it was just, but then now, like fast forward 12 years, and I'm like, no, it was not futuristic. It's how people ate, not specifically, not like that all the time, but all the innards, all the offals and all the, you name it, right? It's what, it's, it's eating from nose to tail. You were part of that huge movement and very important. You know, now everyone's doing it, right? But I mean, uh, hey, listen. More, well, it's really died off here in the States. People, you would think that, you know, during economic yeah. downturn that those cuts would have come back again but yeah. they really still i mean that's the thing in montreal it's the norm it's the norm you'll have part of you have so much french influence that those cuts have always been i mean you guys serve horse yeah which horse is tar horse tartare <laughs> so good <laughs> but i think that's that's what's so interesting it's like going for me coming from california to montreal like growing up in new england I used yeah. to go to Montreal as a kid to go skiing, right? Tremblant and Orford. Orford. That, that's the other amount, right? Orford, Mount Orford. 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 And, and we used to stay in Montreal proper. And I remember going down. I, I mean, man, I could tell you some funny stories of like St. Catherine Street and, and all that cuckoo-ness from... Changed, by the way. St. Catherine... Uh... Chris is not the St. Catherine as we we knew it, you know, like it's down to one lane and all that. We're not going to get political, whatever, you know, politics doesn't have, you know, place in in, uh, in food, although it does. Um, but uh, I think that uh, the St. Catherine, the gritty St. Catherine and all that has changed quite a bit. Um, but, but yeah. But super sex is there, right? Yeah, it burned down, apparently. It oh, burned down. <laughs> that was the place where you knew if the kid if one of if one of the one of the other kids on the trip went yeah they were coming back broke. <laughs> right they were like it's free to get in it's like 45 dollar <laughs> coat check <laughs> how old are you you just like took your mom's like mascara or whatever you put a mustache put on a mustache you. on yeah but it was 18 years old <laughs> it was a what was it? Eight, 18 to drink in montreal so every kid would come up there and go berserk <laughs> They would go berserk from the states. The north, the northeast. Plus, yeah. with the with the exchange rate and all that, it was a dream. <laughs> it was a dream, perfect, unreal. So let's. I want to kind of start at the beginning for you because yeah. what you're doing right now is so so powerful. And and you know the restaurants are delicious, and they're varied, which I love. And you know, and now you have the new show. You know, really celebrating the Italian heritage that yeah. has really melded well with the traditional Quebecois heritage, which is really, really spectacular. I mean, you know, I love all the Italian farmers at the market there. Oh my God. It's one of my favorites. So can you start at the beginning of how this started for you and, and, and what, 
you know, what was that inkling moment that said, you know, I want to go home smelling like a goat every day? I think that, um, uh, the show specifically began out of the friendship between myself and a friend from Riverbank Pictures. And, you know, he was just instrumental in all of this, meaning I did a bunch of shows with him going way back with his um, team at, at TLN. And he was like, chef, you know, like, I've been thinking about this show. I was like, okay. Well, hang on a second. Don't do the show yet. I want to start at the beginning for you. Like, oh, for me. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, because the me, show is this show is now. I want to talk about yeah. how you got to the show, like from beginning times. Yeah. So, uh, wow. I'm 45 now. At seven years old, uh, <laughs> that's going way back. Seven years old. Almost forty years, man. We're getting old, eh? By the way, like, what's Don't happening? Don't remind me, man. My, I'm gonna be fifty-one this April. Forty years. Oh my god, I, I can't believe I just said that. Forty years ago. Anyways, seven years old. Um, uh, my brother and I, Carmine, uh, Carmine. My mom was always working. She worked um, in the. She was a seamstress in Montreal, and. Um, she would come home late all the time and we used to have our keys to go to school. We used to walk to school. We used to have keys around their necks, right? Like on the, on the like, with a lace, you know? Yeah, like, no, um, I know. That's, that's why they called us latchkey kids, our generation. Yeah, yeah. So we would walk to school and we, and my dad worked. Um, my dad used to de-ice uh, amongst other things. He was the baggage handler at the airport, Maribel Airport. Um, which closed now many years ago. And he used to de-ice the wings of planes during the winter. And he used to be a baggage handler uh, for Canadian Airlines, which no longer exists. And so my brother and I we were like, you know what? Let's um, let's cook for mama and papa, for that mom and dad, you know? And my brother was all into those PBS shows. He was 11, I was seven. And we're talking about, you know... Uh, Jacques, this is like 1984, 5, 84. He, you know, like um, Jacques Pepin, Julia Child, uh, you had Justin Wilson, I don't remember, you know, like Justin Wilson. And I don't know if Sarah Moulton was on just yet, but like just all these chefs, you know, on PBS back in the day, the mid 80s. And I was like, I, I'm, I don't want to watch it. I want, I want to watch cartoons. I want to watch cartoons. You know, like I don't want to watch these shows. So my brother was like always watching these shows. And then he was like, you know what? Let's make Cavatelli. And uh, in our dialect, which come, we come from Avellino, Italy. Avellino is near uh, Naples, not far away, like 45 minutes away, you know? So Avellino is where my parents come from, but uh, he was like, let's make these cavatelli. So one day we come back from school, nobody home, like seven and 11, this would never happen today. You know, like no cell phones, no nothing, you know, like open, we're cooking. like. Turn on, turn on the stove, you know, like just everything that parents would have like issues with or like, no, you don't touch anything. We did, right? Back in the day. So we made uh, a batch of cavatelli with whole wheat flour because my mom was a nutritionist for many years, believe it or not, for 25 years, if not more. And we had whole wheat flour, whole wheat flour and water. And we made the cavatelli because obviously like watching our grandparents and parents and stuff like that, making pasta from scratch, we learned a thing or two. 
because you know like this that generation was always cooking you know uh there was no like uh of those companies that deliver food to your uh, door and stuff like that <laughs> yeah the world we live in now exactly it wasn't convenient so uh and that's how it started and then it just sparked something in me my mom was an avid uh cookbook collector and she had like uh, a ton of cookbooks uh over like a hundred easily and just like newspaper clippings and magazines and and you name it and then a year later I was just like flipping through it all and I was like really into it and then I got into the PBS shows a lot and then I would spend time with my grandfather Michele Mucadamo which you know um like any good Italian had the garden had was making you know my grandparents their own cheese uh cold cuts uh marinated vegetables during the you name it the sauce everything everything from scratch so right? basically they they would build the larder for the, yeah. for the winter right they would put up tomatoes did your did your family when they put up tomatoes yeah did they put tomato leaves in the jar or no like a tomato they, leaf and a basil leaf no, they did not. Uh, they didn't. They 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 would put basil, but my grandfather uh, he was one of the he was a cook in the Italian army in the late forties, and then when he came to if we're going way way back when he came to uh, Canada by boat, he landed at Pier Twenty One in Halifax, like most Italians, and then from there he joined his brother because Mario Lucadamo, his brother, my great uncle, all uh, already lived here. Uh, he came here and he didn't know how to speak the language, right? He just spoke Italian, his dialect. Um, and he he became, and they used him. Uh, he, he was very strong, like, you know? So he went to work as a bricklayer. And that's that was his job for many, for, oh my God. He was a bricklayer until, uh, for like over 55 years. That's, that's breaking. breaking. Holy shit. But the thing that he loved the most, because back home, Back in Italy, in, in Vallata, where we come from, Vallata specifically, uh, the little village where we come from, which Tom Colicchio comes from, Vallata, uh, uh, which is related to his, to my grandfather's uh, mother. That's the name of his new restaurant. Vallata. Where we so my, so my grandfather's sister, uh, sister-in-law, which is my great aunt, not by marriage, is Rachel Colicchio. And that's his great aunt. No word of a lie. Amazing. Yeah. Small world. So I, I, I speak to Mike Kulik, his, his brother, quite a bit, but I can't get a hold of Tom. No joke. But <laughs> it's true, true story. It's, it's the truth. Uh, they're related. They're related. So so going way, way back. Uh, so my grandfather would make, you know, like the sauce, the marinated vegetables, the cold cuts, and all that. And I was just like a, a very young boy and looking at all this. And it was all very fascinating to me because none of my friends, because I grew up in a French community. Terbonne, we were like, I, like I said, like probably the only Italian family, maybe the only Italian family in Terbonne because I didn't grow up in Montreal. We grew up in this little town um, and they weren't eating like that. It was like legit, like, you know, peanut butter and jelly and stuff like that. Like, you know, the same story okay. as any. Let's, right? let's talk about this. Like, yeah, of course. Going to school. Yeah. Right? <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. As the, oh, my God. Tell me. Did you get the stares and the looks when you would bring the of traditional I, and they look at you and you're opening like the not like the glass containers or the Tupperware, right? 
and, so, and they're so, stuffing it and the kids are like what the hell is he eating and they're eating like fluff or nutter and like yeah yeah, yeah. So my grandfather i mean so we would go to my grandfather's like during the week like it's not like today where like nobody goes out during the week you stay home and that's it and whenever the doorbell rings like you're, everyone's scared like who is it oh my god who is that nobody opens the door anymore like everyone hides like back then it was like it was common and normal to have family over any day of the week any yeah. time those doors we would go to bed at 10 o'clock you know you can speak to my mom who cares it doesn't matter like school's important but family is very important you know because that's all they had was family they were you know they didn't have many people here you know so they left the country and all that and in ruins after world war ii and stuff like that so they were always together so on a typical wednesday we would be at my grandparents house and my grandfather you know you would have the pasta the jardiniera you would have the hot sauce at the table and the big plates of like homemade uh you know uh, pasta and you would have like bracciole uh, you would have like, uh, you know, like you name it, all the, the different cuts of meat and, uh, and stuff like that. He would love like lamb's brain. And I remember like him eating uh, like lamb, uh, half a lamb uh, head. Like, and he was great. He wanted to get like all, all the cartilage and everything from the, the head. His teeth <laughs> were grinding with the lamb's teeth, you know, at the same time, because he wouldn't like, he didn't want to like keep anything away. You know, I'm like, what's happening over here? Like, it was crazy, but that's because he was through, like, it was important. They came from World War II. You know, yeah, they had- It was a thing. very, that time was so unique. I would say culinarily in the, in not only in, you know, Montreal and, and Canada, but also in, in the U.S. because there was so much immigration due to World War II, the poverty, yeah. the destruction, that frugality was the norm, right? Cucina povera was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Chris, I mean, you know, like, so, I, and I was like a kid, I'm like, oh my God, what's happening here? And like, I, I can't see, cause you know, like I would go to my friend's house and stuff like that. And I, I saw something I saw at a young age, like two different things. I'm like, huh, no, there's something wrong here. Is it me? Am I the wrong? Or is, are they wrong? Or like this, there's, there's like a huge difference, but as an eight year old, you don't know. And you know, like, and then at the end of the day, he would have like this big, she would call it pane corona. It looked like a massive, like, bagel. You know, this uh, this Italian bread, like, big, round, with a hole in the middle. And then he would split it open, like, with a thick crust, because he would, like, rebake it from the Italian baker, like, that, that he had in Montreal. He would, because he would want it, like, to be really crunchy. And he would, like, he's like, okay, I'm going to make you your lunch. No word of a lie, right? He would put, like, spicy provolone inside. He would put, like, green fried in olive oil long hots he would put like odds and ends of like um bracciole you know like meatballs and like cotechino like it, but southern cotechino not northern cotechino which was riddled with like uh with spice you know like and you know he would make it every year half pork half like uh pork skin and a ton of spice you know that was my lunch and then he would put it he would put it like in a carton like a supermarket bag like folded and then like, when I was so then when it was lunchtime in high school or elementary sorry I would like open it up and like the bag was like really juicy and uh I'm drooling talking about it because I remember the sandwiches you know they all passed right they, they I don't, you don't have that anymore and you open the sandwich and he would always put like a little uh, slice of iceberg I don't know why but it was like a little iceberg <laughs> 
and it was always like super wilted, but the bag was like really oily and whatever. And like, it was always like an aluminum. There was no like uh, plastic wrap or whatever. It was all big, thick aluminum back then. Like the grade of aluminum was so thick and you open it up and like, you have this massive sandwich. It was like, it looked like a, a half moon, you know, because of the bread, the shape of the bread. <laughs> and there was like, there was like a quarter of a pear because that's what was left at the table. You know, he would put a quarter, quarter of a pear and there was always like a few, <laughs> no joke, I swear to you, there was always like a few walnuts. Oh man. <laughs> like, he would just like what? put walnuts in the bag, you know, because he would always end with pear and walnuts, you know? What is it with Italians and cracking nuts at the holidays? It's, every uh, family, every Italian family it was like a pile of nuts in the shell and a bunch of cracks yeah. everywhere. Yeah, because, you know, like, you have to think historically speaking, like they had all these trees around them, God bless them, because they had everything. And, you know, like they would make, with the green walnuts, they would make nocino and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they would dry it and eat it during the winter. And that's why they would they were very frugal. They would eat everything. Nothing went to waste. And that's why, and chestnuts and walnuts. And Avellino, where we come from, uh, it means, uh, it comes from the word Avela. Or they, in French, it's the Aveline. And those are filberts also known as hazelnuts yeah so avellino is it means hazelnuts right so you would have all these nuts right you would have hazelnuts and all that so so he would always end his meal with um, with nuts walnuts specifically black walnuts and so in my bag you had a half a pair like an aluminum still and you would have some walnuts and i'm like how am i gonna i'm eight nine years old what am i how am i cracking this how am i gonna crack these put them in your pocket and take them home yeah right? And my mom, and then in my mom, like her, her lunches for me, they were a little more structured, uh, <laughs> so to speak, still very delicious. And they would be like these, you know, like leftovers, always leftovers. My, our lunches was always leftovers. She would, she would always like cook a lot more. So there would be leftovers and it could have been like anywhere between pasta uh, it, 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 chicken and the Brussels sprouts. Uh, she was on this Asian phase. I mean, mid eighties Asian phase, right? You know, like my mom was very, very adventurous in the kitchen, and um, so uh, you know, bean sprouts that was like the big thing, and rice and stuff like that. So we were eating all these things that not like the common uh, student body would eat at a, at a at a cafeteria. You wouldn't see it. I mean. Because again, Terrebonne was is the north shore of Montreal, and we were again probably the only. There wasn't a lot of ethnic families. We were probably the only. I mean, and and I, I mean it like a few very Italian, very few Italian families. So, um, so, and that's how it started. You know that that interest, and then the PBS shows kicked in, and then at eleven years old, Chris. Uh, I, 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 this, I, I'll never forget it. I, I made, um, I made Julia Child's recipe on how to make caramel. Really? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember being in that kitchen where in my mom's kitchen, where everything, like all the fridges and all that, they were like that light yellow, you know, all the, the appliances were like light yellow uh, the ceramics were like so bright and orange, you know, like because they oh, bought yeah. it. Pot, a pot, they bought it here. Yeah, you know, they bought the house in '75. You know, like this is 1985. At this point, I was born in '77, so 
maybe a little later, this is like 88, 87, 88. And, um, and the counters were like, uh, I forget the, the, uh, it, the materials, like Formica, Formica. Yeah, you know yeah, what? yeah, Formica. Totally yeah. the norm. That was it. That looked like marble. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, I remember like on the stove, this, this pot that I had, like with a black handle and like very thin stainless, you know, and I, I put sugar and I'm following, you know, like what she said, because I watched it on TV. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting there. You know what I mean? I'm getting to the 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 the, the soft boil. So I'm a trained pastry chef, but we'll talk about that later because of that. Uh, soft boil, soft crack, hard boil, hard. OK, like we're getting there. Hands and ice, you know, like putting it in and all that. I'm like, I got it. The hands in the ice. I was adventurous. It gets cold. Pick at it. Put it back in the ice. You won't get burned. You know, like I'm 11 years old. So I, oh my God, this works. You know, I transferred to caramel, Chris. <laughs> I'm laughing because you're making me go like way back. I love it. And I transfer this because I don't know, you know, like I knew that the water boils at 212 Fahrenheit, 100 Celsius. And I'm like, if I put my hand in ice and then I went into caramel, I'm like, okay, like, you know, how hot can it be? Uh, so I transferred this caramel in a yogurt container. So at this point... You melted the whole thing, didn't you? So like, I, Because I did, you know, I transferred to it and I was looking good. And then I see the white from the plastic, from the just melting formica, like this beautiful, like, you know, like faux marble, like just like, and all the caramels melting away. I totally forget that the ice method, you know, you need cold hands. I'm trying to stop it. My hands like get like totally like burnt. I'm like, I took the ice, poured it on me fast. The caramel like just like settles quick, you know, like on the formica. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? And then like, there's no Google. There's nothing. <laughs> I pick up a book. I'm like, what's happening? And then I find it like transferred to like a ceramic bowl or, you know, like uh, a Pyrex or whatever. You know what I mean? And I'm like, but I, it, it, it was like fascinating on how like I didn't know like, whoa, what happened there? You know, like what's going on? And But the next day I got up again because it was the weekend. I would do all, a lot of these uh, experiments during the weekend. And I got up and I, I and I did it again and, and I nailed it. You know what I mean? So it was like from there, I I was like, I, I can't get enough of this. It became like a drug. I had to do more, 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 more. I read all of my mom's books and I was like baking a lot, cooking a lot, pastas, anything that I could have done, I did it. You know, like red, red, red libraries. I mean, I went through like all of Jacques Pempin's La Technique. Like I was just like a madman. That book, like, that book, La Technique and La Method. Yeah. Yeah, the reason I was able to get through culinary school because of the photos, because yeah. step by step, because I'm dyslexic. So the school culinary books were just, you know, just written, right? Oh yeah, no, no, no. It was you, and you know, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, how to clean fish, and yeah. So then fast track, you know, like, and obviously, like, I'm spending a lot more time with my grandfather at this point. My my grandmother was incredible. My mom was amazing. But my grandfather was the catalyst to like everything. He was the one that really, really like, because he's the one that I could have gotten a lot of information from, you know, like cold cuts. What are you putting? Like, <laughs> like this is special salt. I'm like, what is he putting in there? He's like, 
careful because he knew he knew about nitrites and nitrates and he understood saltpeter and stuff like that and he understood all this you know so we i would do everything with him you know like uh, i i would do the 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 copas the 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 the, the sausage that you name it all you know like as a family we jarred everything you know what i mean like nothing ever went to waste the ricotta and all that and and then at 15 years old uh, i bought my very first cookbook and my mom still has it and it was called la varenne and la varenne was Anne willen and willen la varenne was my first cookbook that i ever bought wow uh, and that was pastry a lot of it was pastry in french uh, cuisine but um because you know like and, and like you i'm pretty sure you were trained as a french chef in school you had no choice well, everybody was yeah i mean that was the yeah. methodology which everybody was trained in culinary exactly. school. french the french brigade system the french technique the whole, uh, and so that and now like i'm a teenager and i'm just spending a lot more time with uh with my grandfather and stuff like that which I'm so glad that I did. I got to do that. You know what I mean? I'm really, really glad that I, I really got to do that because, you know, like he, he passed like in 2017, but um, so I got to learn all of that with him and, you know, and I was always uh, very fortunate because he taught me so much and I, I, and I was probably the only one out of all my cousins, you know, like we're five male cousins and one female cousin. So we're six. Um, and then I started uh, making, because uh, my, so my grandfather's uh, brother, Mario, my great uncle, had a bakery, one of the largest, most, the biggest independent own, family-owned bakery in, in all of uh, probably Canada, I would say. Um, and he was making bagels because back in the day when he first came, uh, he worked at, uh, at a, an old Italian bakery where he would, he was one of the first people in Montreal to deliver red pizzas, the big square tomato pies. You tomato know? pie. Right. I love it. Tomato pies or red That's pizzas. That's a big Rhode Island thing too, man. Yeah, it is, right? There's very so, few places. It's Utica. Well, Montreal has a big tomato pie and Rhode Island. Yeah, Jersey, Trenton and stuff like that. They have that too, you know, but I mean, all of that part of the world. But, and so... So he was an, an, he was a baker and then he was a delivery guy, you know, delivering tomato pies and all that. And he, and he bought, then he worked for this Jewish man uh, called Isaac uh, Mario. And this is all going to lead, you know, this, and yeah, to, to my career and all that. And uh, my grandfather's brother, and, and then he bought it from him. And, and you have an Italian man, Mario Lucadamo, that buys like this bakery, this Jewish bakery from, from Mr. Isaac. Um, and my uncle, my great uncle got into the bagel business, making bagels. And there's three main people that made bagels back in the day. It was Isaac, that not a lot of people know. Uh, there was the owner of Fairmount Bagels, the huge rivalry with St. Theater Bagels. So it was like these three Jewish men, which back in the day, way, way back, they were all uh, partners in St. Dieter Bagel. And they all broke up. You had Isaac, uh, I forget, Mr. Meyer, and the owner of uh, Fairmount. So you had these three guys that owned St. Dieter. And all three broke up. And my grand, my great uncle owned or bought from Isaac. So they, it was all the same recipe. The famous St. Dieter Bagel and Fairmount, it's all the same recipe. That's it's the same. Recipe. It's the same recipe. And 
I have the recipe. It's nothing, you know, like it's, you need a wood burning oven and you need a proper bagel wood burning oven. So my great uncle Mario had 14 wood burning bagel ovens along with these like massive, massive rotating ovens where he would make like uh, rye breads, challah breads and Hungarians and the uh, pumpernickel and so on and so forth. Like it was a Jewish bakery, you know? So, uh, so I would pop in and help out once in a blue moon uh, and work for my uncle. He had 40,000 square feet of, of a bakery and he would That's sell massive. Yeah. He would have, he had silos, flower silos and stuff like that. And then he made it fully automated, nothing by hand anymore and stuff like that, but he would still make his soakers. A soaker is basically like taking grains, like rye grains and pumpernickel and, and whatever, and just like soaking it overnight and making a starter, you know? So I, the smells I can smell today. He had walk-in fridges, the size of like, like three, 4,000 square feet. You know what I mean? He had like uh, walk-in proofers and, it was massive. It was a, a huge grand scale and it was all retail. So I learned retail from there, right? I'm retail now, but back then uh, I learned with my uncle Mario retail. He was like located all across Quebec and Ontario, all the stores, you name them, you name them all. He was selling bagels and breads and stuff like that sliced to everybody. And in the front he had, he never forgot his first love was a little pizzeria. So, uh, cause he always loved pizza. So he had a, an old school garland, uh, deck oven uh, where he would make like uh, just like giant New York style Montreal style pizzas you know like um, and he would sell subs uh, the subs and or yeah hoagies we call them hoagies now like uh, you, you're gonna see it like every it's trending right but a grinder a sub a hoagie a hero <laughs> all this let's be honest a sandwich right hoagies the, and grinders <laughs> yeah exactly so so in the back, it was like a, this like really incredible Jewish bakery, all like the classics. And in the front was his first love, you know? So he kept that because he owned the building and he had a small like thousand square feet in the front with all the equipment and, and he did extremely well, like delivery, whatever. And so by this point, I'm like, I go in once in a blue moon, I'm making like muffins from out of my house and I'm selling it to him and he's encouraging me and stuff like that. I'm like 16, 17, you know, obviously like I was learning from my grandfather and my grandparents and stuff like that, you know, and then like um, on January 21st, um, 1995, my mom's preparing for my 18th birthday, which is January 22nd, 1995, my mom's cooking, we're going to get a lot of people over, you know, like your family, the big 1-8, the 18, you're the male, you're the Italian man now, you know. She gets a phone call. My mom gets a phone call. It's, uh, and she faints. My mom faints, falls to the ground, to the floor, sorry. Still the same house in where I grew up. And uh, my dad passed away. He was in an accident. So my dad, as I was saying, was de-icing. He was de-icing the wings of an airplane. And, um, which changed the world on how we de-ice planes today, by the way. So what happened basically without like taking the mood all the way down, but this is how it shaped me, you know? So my, my dad basically the night before my birthday was de-icing the wings of an airplane and, uh, and the airplane, and they were like, let's go, we gotta go. Like these planes have to fly. 
tower pilot father, you know, on the cherry picker, 50 feet up in the air, you know, like he's got the, uh, the, the big hose, you know, the icings and the cherry picker with the truck and you see it, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. He's the icing, the icing, the, the communication's really bad. It's a snowstorm. The plane takes off, hits the, hits the cherry picker. My dad falls down and that's it, right? Uh, the very next day, it is at his funeral. It is my 18th birthday. Okay. And that day, Chris was like, you know what? Everybody, oh, your dad was incredible. Your dad, this, your this, that. I was like, shit, like, you know, like life is really, really short. I can't believe this is happening. But instead of like, and I don't know why, but instead of like taking it, instead of going into a major depression and God knows what, and because you know like that night i had to like discover his body and this, i had to go to the morgue because my mom i mean she was like you could have mopped the floor with her my uncles were holding her down and all that and because this is true life what you see you see me on tv and you see me like talking and all that but this is like true life and this is what this podcast is all about it's a chef to a chef because we've lived a lot of shit you know what i mean we've yeah. seen a lot of it and people don't, don't get that that it's hard to get where i am today or that or where you got you know, there's, it's real life stories. It's not what you see, all that fake garbage on social media. It helps to promote, but it's real life. So I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to culinary school. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to live a life doing what I hate doing. I'm not going to conform to society. I'm not going to work that nine to five. I'm not going to like just make people happy and become a lawyer a doctor, an engineer, a pharmacist, you know, and for what? Make a lot of money and what? Stash it in the bank and do nothing with it? Who gives a shit? Do you know what I mean? So 1995, he passes. It's my 18th birthday. I enrolled to a school, culinary school. So I get in and I do my interview. We're not going to name the school. Uh, and I, I, you know, like I'm, I'm being drilled, drilled. So what are your, your favorite uh, dishes? And so I'm, I'm like, you know, like we, my mom used to make this, which my dad helped a lot with my mom, mostacholi. She used to make like these fried raviolis that were sweet with like chestnuts and chocolate and like lemon zest and all that. And they were like, oh, okay, okay. You know, like very, very French, you know, very Francais. And there's nothing wrong with that. But these three individuals, they were just like, like no, I get a, I get a phone call. No, you're not, you're not ready yet. Go to the school, whatever. Um, I'm like, but they were, they were drilling me, Chris. You know what I mean? And so I go to Pius Culinary Institute, which I got in right away, and because the other school was like fully decked out, you name it, it was a paradise, right? And it had everything, everything and anything under the sun. And I get to Pius and Pius is all electric stoves. They have nothing. They have nothing. You had to share, you had to. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what are we doing here? Like, are we like, like, it doesn't make any sense. They have nothing to play around with. Like we had to share everything, all electric stoves, some gas. And thankfully what came out of that school, which is, is great was a few things was that I met my mentor, Leslie Chesterman. And Leslie Chesterman is like, you know, she's, she worked in Michelin star pastry. She's a pastry chef. 
um, in, in France and worked for like incredible chefs in France and stuff like that. And she was later on the fine food critic for the Montreal Gazette for many years, for over 20 years. Wow. But back in 96, she was my, my chef, my pastry chef. So 96, I enroll. At the same time, I go see my uncle Mario. I want to come work. I, you know, my dad passed away and stuff like that. Of course, come work. So I would make pizza. I would like, I showed him how to like slice the uh, iceberg lettuce on the slicer to make it like really like to give it like more volume. <laughs> so like, you know, like really big. I said, you know, CT, like uh, CT is a way of saying Zio, like uncle, you know, like a, a cute way of saying it. I'm like, you're going to put like, uh, you know, a, a ton of like uh, iceberg and cheese provolone and the cold cuts and all that and jardiniere. So I took over like, now they call them like the, we're, yeah, we're working on a uh, charcuterie program and our wine program. It's all programs now, right? So, so back then it was like <laughs> the hoagie program. <laughs> so people understand. So we're working on the hoagie program. And uh, so I worked, I was working with him while going to school. And uh, so I was, I, I was, I had my great uncle teaching me about business, about retail and about the world of bread and mass producing it. Uh, but in the front I, I was using, I was, I was learning how to make a proper pizza because that was always his first love, how to make the sauce, how to make the dough all from scratch in the back. It was all manufacturing like big time, but in the front it was his first love, but he never had a chance on that because it was all like, quote unquote, you know, controlled and stuff like that, right? So we're not going to get into that. I don't feel like losing my uh, kneecaps soon. So, but, uh, <laughs> but back then, not anymore back then. And, but that, that was his reality back in the 50s and 60s, you know, let, let's be honest. So he went, he went in one route and then the front, he got his, he got, he, he got to do his first love, you know? And so I go to culinary school and, and culinary school, my pastry module was taught by Leslie Chesterman and she taught me everything and and she got me my first stages and stuff like that um and uh she really paved the way for me and then when I finished culinary school I graduated the whole thing I was probably 20 21 I went back to the other school and I said hey listen these are my grades this is what I did do you know what I mean but I was working like a, a madman Chris I was working and going to school nonstop because I was a I, I was getting all this info because I always wanted it, you know, like to learn more. So I, I, sh I, I, I get in this time around. I get into the school. So you got to remember one thing, right? And you've lived this, is that at Pius, we had nothing. You, you had to do with what you had. And so now I entered Disney World, right? I entered this, this, this world. It's like... It's like the land of Dairy Queen where you have like everything. You have like, I mean, you name it. You have the whole bar, you're like without naming too many names, whatever, but like you had all the equipment. It was paradise. And I start my first day <laughs> and you had a lot of like cooks or, 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 you know, second year students and all that taking because now because now I'm going to the school to do pastry. I did culinary. I did the savory school. Now I'm doing pastry. Because I wanted to learn everything about it, Right? I'm the sponge. I'm that sponge. You know, like burning caramels. I wanted to learn more. 
So I, I get in and like they give me a piping bag. Leslie Chesterman was my mentor. She was my teacher and she showed me how to work, but I was also working for my uncle and I'm piping cakes and I'm like making buttercreams. And like the teacher's like, where are, you, where are you coming out from? Like, what's happening here? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I love to cook. I love pastry. And I aced that year so fast. Everything was like, so, and without like throwing flowers at myself, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how it's done. And I had, I would work in these very tiny, tiny, tiny sections, you know, because I, that's where I lived. Because we didn't have much room at the other school, so I knew I would wash all my dishes. They had dishwashers in every class, right? The school they had like, you know, like it was very. You know, spoiled. It's like, listen, it's like going to the CIA. It's very structured. Pious was like a free for all. No, but it's true. You know what but I mean? I think like, it's, it's, it's like, I think it's really important. The real world is not structured, and you know that more than I do. It's not I, in professional kitchens. In professional kitchens, was it, you started out at a young age. I mean, you know. It's chaos. And I think the thing, I think what's really amazing is like, I think, like, I hear about Pious. And when you don't have everything, it makes you better. It makes you, it gives you ingenuity. It less is more. Yeah. Whether it's on the plate and, and a lot of times in the restaurant, less is more too. There's less things to clean. There's less things to hide. There's less things to, you know, put away, but it's also learning to work with less makes you better. Right. That's the same thing with Cucina Povera, the cuisine of the world. Yeah. They had very little and they made the best out the of best. they had. The best. So now, and you know, like, and now New York chefs are charging like $42 for a plate of, you know, we're going to finish with breadcrumbs. And I'm like, and I grew up with that. You grew up with that, most probably. I mean, Mercado, yeah. And it was like, so all these, and now the age of Food Network is coming. So I graduate from that school, which was great at the end. I extracted so much, and I'll say ETHQ, L'Institut d'Hôtellerie du Québec at the end was a great school, okay? It was a really, Monsieur, Monsieur Simon, Monsieur Petit, my chefs were fantastic, you know? Um, it was a great, great school because because of these two, uh, you know, like incredible chefs that were like retired old Michelin star chefs, they were like in their late 60s. I remember one of them, you know, as a joke, first year he would always uh, open up a can of like a big tin of uh, ammonia, l'ammoniac, and he's like, smell it, and like a student would faint, and he would laugh. That was his thing every year. He was like, oh, which we could never God. do now. <laughs> Things that like he's like, oh my God, I, I get I get one every year, you know, like, Ooh. you know. So it was you can't get away with any of that, and, and you know, and that's more than okay. We you have to evolve. It's very important. And then, um, so I graduate that. Um, I'm, uh, I'm dating a girl back in that era, 96, 99. I'm like, you know what? Let's open up a bakery. Uh, <laughs> she was like, let's do it. So we open up a bakery and she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? Like, this is like right before 2000. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, this was our dream. We went to school together, three years of culinary, the whole thing. Um, so Two months in, close up the bakery. I'm 20, 21, 22. And I'm like, wow, what's happening? I, I thought that my life was like crashing. So I stopped 
uh, the culinary world a little, and I went and worked at um, at uh, your equivalent of an AT and T as a uh, sales rep on the phone because <laughs> it burned me like everything. I had such a huge high, and then like I was like, "Well, wait a minute." This girl that I was dating, it was a plan. We were planning it. We opened it. The culmination of everything, and like uh, you don't want to do this anymore. It was like a huge blow, you know. Um, a punch to the gut. I'll never forget it. But it was the best thing that could have ha ever ever happened to me because when I went and worked there. I was like, I will never, I lasted barely four months. I'm like, nope, no, 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 no. What am I doing? So I went briefly back to my uncle making pizzas. And then I, uh, and then I went and worked in a, a bunch of uh, restaurants and hotels. Um, got married, had kids. Uh, but the work, as you know, it was burning me. It was... Um, I was a pastry chef in, at the Nelligan Hotel. Um, I was a pastry chef. I was a chef. I, I worked in, 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 you name it, uh, in all facets. And then I, uh, I stopped everything again to go work at a retirement home. I took a job, nine to five job at a retirement home. And I did that for three years. And it was very fulfilling because I got to meet like, the, you know, like, it was a very high-end retirement home, and I got to meet uh, incredible people with such incredible stories that, that reminded me of my grandfather. He was still alive, though. Um, and it made me understand food costs really well and budgets really, really well. Uh, and just, but humanity and just like learning all these old stories because I got very close to them um talk about so I, like, I mean that's such an impactful thing right yeah. we talk a lot about food and how it transcends all boundaries and how yeah. we're there to make people happy yeah and a lot of times there's a forgetfulness of that on the mm -hmm. early age as kids and then as the elderly right people forget that spectrum they think of just about the middle right yeah yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, what they taught me, like the seniors, what they taught me was like what they used to eat back in the day, back in the 40s and 50s. And like, and I would like want them to, to be to feel special and to make them happy. So I got to research again, and it, it brought that love. And, um, and one day, I this is 2010 ish. Yeah, 2010. I was prepping. Um, I was on Twitter back then um and i was friends with friends friends quote unquote on twitter twitter friends um with sarah jenkins uh and she had a restaurant called porchetta yeah in new york sarah jenkins like incredible chef incredible human her, her mom nancy Harmon jenkins incredible writer and, and she's like i'm in montreal which where should i go eat and all that and so I I, 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 I I tweet her. I don't know what the lingo is anymore. I haven't been on Twitter in years. And I said, like, I'm going to cook for you. So I rented a space with my crew that, I, you know, we've worked together for quite a few years back then. And we rented a space and we cooked up uh, like a um, big night, you know, Stanley Tucci style, right? We made everything. The whole porchetta 
we made like a spread timpano i mean you name it we named we we fed that night we had sarah jenkins come the mother we had Na naomi zugrid you know naomi zugrid she's got incredible books on persia and oh and yes 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 yeah uh, i have her books right here yeah, Derek Damon came that night, 2010. Derek, Leslie Chesterman, my mentor from 97. This is 2010. I always kept in touch. Because um, before that, I was like in hotels and restaurants and just like grinding every day, you know. And um, did a ton of the prep at my mom's in, uh, in her kitchen, stuff like that. I'll never forget it. And it landed like the first page of like the Montreal Gazette in the lifestyle. Oh my God. <laughs> I, my mentor, Leslie, after all those years, she gave me the first page. You could still find it. And, and like, and how like I, I, I turned out an Italian feast and meal and like, you know, what are you doing, quote unquote, in this retirement home and stuff like that, which I had no problems being there. Like it was, it gave me time with my son, wife. I mean, you name it, you know, like I, it gave me a lot of freedoms, but something was missing. You know, I, I would never be able to do what I wanted to do because everything was so structured and it had to be like meals that were like four weeks, you know, like it was like in rotation four weeks ahead of time and stuff like that. It was very, you know, it was, it was creative in a way where I got to like still learn what they were eating and what they wanted to eat. Cause it was like three restaurants within the building. It was massive. It was beautiful. Um, so then that comes out. And then, uh, and then, I don't want to say that the rest is history, but like that's really catapulted me to where I am today. Because uh, from there, there was like a restaurant group that wanted to open up uh, a, a restaurant, and I was working at. After that, uh, I stopped, and I wanted to work nights again, and I worked in an Asian restaurant. <laughs> I was all over the place. I worked everywhere. I'm telling you. Uh, that I turned Italian uh, and uh, I worked there briefly and until the restaurant was open and then Osteria Venti in 2011 opened. And that was something that I wrote down in 2006 as my dream restaurant, celebrating the 20 regions of Italy. That's why it's called Venti. And that was just a culmination of my past, my history, my grandparents, you know, like everything and anything that I learned as an Italian Canadian uh, and just celebrating all of that. 2012, 2011, 2012, Stefano Saita, my dear friend and partner now, showed up with his wife. She was pregnant to their second daughter, Anna. Shows up, Steph shows up. I fed him like a beautiful pasta with like spot BC spot prawns because Derek was like, you know, like he had a connection from B, right? Because he's from there and stuff like that. So uh, the end was like, you know, the hot spot and stuff like that. And and obviously in 20, 2010, you know, like you showed up like just, it's crazy because Venti opened in March 2011 and, and a year before that, that's when I met you for the first time, you know, uh, going way back. So that, that, so, so, so I met Stefano that 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 night and I cooked for him because we all knew who Stefano was. Stefano was like a huge name, an important name uh, in Italian cuisine in, in all of Canada, you know, and his mom. Also, El the connectivity, his mom, yeah. the shop. Yeah. Right? 
all Rattan, of it. Pan, his, his, like the I mean, whole you name world. it. You name it, what Elena did, you know, like what her cooking school, Mezzaluna, and like just having these guest chefs come in and stuff like that was insane, was incredible. I mean, this woman is a force and she's generous and she's kind and it's sad because, I mean, for me anyways, I, I speak like this. It's sad that not, not a lot more people know of her, but like she's sweeping the 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 the, the, the sidewalks outside from the, her shop and our our restaurants, you know, the Gemma and the Impasto, the right at the corner. And and so, yeah, like this 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 woman is incredible. So Stefano, I, I, we met and he was like, listen, my dream was always to open up a restaurant. Why don't we do it together, you know? And uh, and then uh, he had a show called In the Kitchen on the CBC back, back then and so I showed up in Toronto in 2012 to get to know each other a lot more. We went out for three, three, four days. I stayed in his like condo, you know, like where that they were renting out for him at the CBC. And, uh, and then we landed in 2013 at the corner of Dante and St. Dominic in the heart of Little Italy facing like the famous uh, uh, Dante, you know, hardware store that can't get yeah. Dante. So uh, folks who don't know, like yeah. Elena is yeah incredible, right? I, I'll tell you one year, Tatiana, my wife and I were walking through the fancy food show and I in yeah. San Francisco and I saw her and I pointed her out to my wife and I go, that's, and she goes, holy shit, that's Elena. And it ran over. And I was like, oh my God, it's so nice to meet you. And she looked at me like, who the hell is this guy? I was like, so excited because of her. I mean, her shop is monumental. You can go and get canning materials, all the best Italian pasta tools, and if you're a hunter, then there's the hunting section where you well, can... that's so Tony Bourdain went and did a show, right? I mean, he showed up there and he's like, you can you can shoot it, you can kill it, you can cook preserve it, it, you can preserve it, preserve it, you can do everything in the shop. And that's like so that that's since 1956. I mean, it's 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 iconic, it's legendary, it's you know, like it's it's been Stefano's family, you know, like for forever. You know, like Elena, well, the Venditelli family on her side of the family, but still. Um, so Stefano and I, like, we 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 got together. You know, like, say, okay, like let's do it. This is impossible. It's facing like, um, it's facing the the shop and stuff like that, and and it was perfect because we knew that Elena would, <laughs> would like you know send customers and talk about it. She's the best. I love her. I love her pieces and. So 2013, Impasto opens, and it opens with uh, uh, an old, because it was an old, it was an old trattoria, and um, and we inherited not much because we had to tear everything apart, but we inherited this old 1974 deck deck pizza oven, and it was incredible. We we took it apart, we spray paint. I mean, you name it, we did everything to it. We brought it back back up. Uh, with new like stones and all that, you name it. Um, opening night, July fourth, you know, uh, twenty thirteen, packed. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm on the pizza section, of course, because that's my background, right? I'm on the pizza section. Steph is everywhere. Stefano is like the best host, right? Steph is everywhere. We had Jan Sokot, my chef, that now is my partner at Shea Tuzignan, which we make burgers and stuff and all that. So, so I'm, I'm on pizza and I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to faint. It's hot. Cause the, uh, we, cause we kept the, the, the ventilation system, but this blaring hot, crazy oven 
you know, like 45 year old oven is not even under a hood. And like, I'm in this little section where my dough is just like rising out of control. And I knew it. I knew that the dough was going to rise like out of control. So I put like a lot, le a lot less yeast and a touch more salt because salt, as you know, controls the yeast. It's like back off, buddy. You're not going to rise too much. <laughs> so I cold fermented it. I knew. <laughs> so it was so hot. And I'm like, not tonight. And I'm talking in my head, not tonight, not tonight, not tonight, not tonight. And I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like sweat. I'm thinking about it too much. You know, like I'm just thinking, thinking. Anxiety's kicking in. Opening night. Everybody wants to talk to me. And, and Stefano, pictures and the whole thing. Open kitchen, right? You, you've been to past. You know how yeah. it is. So it's like, congratulations. There's people coming up. And I, I just like hear like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and I'm just smiling. I, I, God knows what I said, right? I go downstairs, I down, I literally like chug a liter, right? Of uh, apple juice, one shot. I go downstairs in the washroom, I punch the, the ceramic tiles in the bathroom so hard. And I look at myself in the, in the mirror, You've waited all these years after that fuck up with the caramel. I, I swear to God. And all that, you're not, no, it's not tonight. It's not gonna happen. I punched the wall again. I let all my stress out. I go up, I finish the night, the next day, and I swear, if you speak to Stefano, I said, Steph, there's no more pizza on the menu. There's no way. There's no more pizza. No way. If this oven can't be under the hood, I'm not making pizza. I am, we're not making pizza anymore. So he's like, okay, fine. <laughs> There's no more pizza. And I worked on this dough for so many years. Um, so Impasto does well and stuff like that. And then, but that night there was the owner across the street from Impasto, this old cafe, like an old Italian bar, whatever. He's like, guys, that pizza, what happened to it? It's not on the menu anymore. And we're like, Vince, I'm like, we can't like, so build a hood, put it under the hood and stuff like that. Like we, come on, man, what are you crazy? The pizza was so delicious. He's like, you know what? Better yet, the, the bar is for sale. Why don't you take and open up your pizzeria? Vince, we're barely like a few weeks old. We're not going to like, what are you crazy? Like, we're, there's no way, you know? And he's like, listen, I'm not going to rent it out to anybody else, but you guys, please, you got to take it. So eight months later that we open Impasto, we start working on Gemma, <laughs> our pizzeria. 2014, which is named after our kids, uh, Giovanni, my eldest, Emilia, his uh, his first daughter, uh, Massimo, my youngest, and Anna, his second, that he was that she was pregnant to uh, Isabel, his wife, when he met me at Venti. And now he's got Dario, that's four years old, but Gemma is named after our kids. So we opened Gemma, huge success, and... Uh, we build the ventilation system after all. A proper ventilation system. Yeah, <laughs> but we put a, a third uh, six burner stove and we gave the oven to Martin Picard at the Sugar Shack and it's still there and it's outside and that's where he does a lot of his cooking and baking still. So at this point now, <laughs> gosh, you have, let's let's break down what you, there's, there's Impasto, there's Gemma, Tuzinha is like our burger spot that we make everything from scratch. The buns, this, that we grind the meat, we make the hot dogs, we smoke them in house, the whole thing. And we have Vesta, which is like our trattoria. And that, then 
you've been key in the development with with Stefano with all these really beautiful uh, direct to consumer products right now. Yeah, so basically that came, so 2013 Impasto, 2014 Gemma, uh, 2015 Chez Tuzinha, 2016, we met with, we started to work on uh, the Stefano Faita and Michele Forgione brand, but the, it's it's the Stefano Faita brand, it's his face, because let's face it, his face and his name sells. That's just the way it is. And, you know, it was the best deal ever. It was incredible that when we sat down and we spoke to these co-packers and, and it was like, what do we make? We make tomato sauce. Okay. Because everybody was making like the, the huge corporations. Now it's a different game, ball game. We're not talking about retirement homes anymore. We're not talking about like bakeries anymore. We're, not, we're talking about corporations. They want to sit down in front of you and like, what are you going to make? What are you going to do? You know? Um, so you have like a lot of, competitors that are using like water and tomato paste and stuff like that and just spicy we're like so Stefano like and I we were okay well wait a minute so what are we going to do whole tomatoes whole proper tomatoes so we tasted you name it right all the tomatoes that you can get your hands on all the best stuff all the the jarred stuff we tasted them all we I mean it's basically going back to what our grandparents did right in the larder in the cantina what did they do why did it last a year and a half you know, why can't we do that? It was, it was, but that's it's simple. It was salt, it was water, tomato, basil, depending on who you were. If you put a, 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 there was an old wives' tale that if you put a tomato leaf in there, it would, it would stay long. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so I mean, you have Elena that's been, that taught a generations on how to make this, you know, at, on TV, on radio at the Jean Talon market uh, in front of her store for decades teaching is, and, and, you know, like, and so she's got a huge platform and she taught a gen generations, a very instrumental. I mean, she's the king and queen period. There's nobody above. And so it's like, okay, like, let's do it. So we came out with arabiata, spicy, marinara. I don't have to say what it is, tomato basil and a rosé sauce, a pink sauce. Uh, and that was the, 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 the original four. And that launched that company, Stefano Faita, with his iconic face and all that, and his smile, his great smile. That got launched officially the 31st of August, 2017. And on 20, and so obviously, like, if you... That year, that year that he launched that, he was yeah. in San Francisco yeah. for the fancy food show and he yeah. came to Coxcomb. Exactly. And I looked over and I was like, what the fuck are you doing exactly. here? He was like, but, but to continue, I, I'll never forget it because my chef now, my chef now, Charles Lacroix, in 2013, he was our stagiaire. And so Charles, back then, back in that summer of Impasto, I wasn't, no, we're, I, don't, I wasn't there. He called me. He was like, there was a guy with like, you know, like blondish hair at the door. I'm like, who was it? I think it was Chef Constantino. I'm like, you, what do you do? And you don't have the key. He's like, no, he's a stagiaire, you know? <laughs> and I asked him, like, you don't have the key? It was you. You were at Impasto trying to come in. I'm like, oh my God. God, because you came a bunch of times and stuff like that, right? Oh man, I I 
there's so many trips. Yeah. I I can't begin to say how much Montreal and that group but, of you have affected me personally in culinary. Chris, you got to remember one thing, maybe, and you know this, maybe, well, you didn't hear it from me, is that whenever, like, we would host you, you would come with Tatiana and all that, and we would be all nervous. We were like, because you mean so much to us. We have your books. We have, like, we know what you're all about. We, you're one of us. You know, you know what I mean? You know, the, the chef world is like that chef. You know, it's all about respect, chef. Absolutely. Yes. You know, like, we're like, hey, make it like this, make it like that. Are you sure? Did you, did you season it? Did you taste it? And like, because cause it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's who you are. We had legends like yourself, Vetri. I mean, you know, like, uh, you name it, you know, like uh, Bianco. And I got to, like, and it's funny and high, and you know this, you know this extremely well, is that when you're going up the ranks, all of a sudden you get to rub shoulders with your heroes. And now, right, you gave me a call and I get to like do that with you. And it's a, it's, it's complete. You have no clue how honored I am to do this with you because you mean so much to us. And like, I'm going up the ranks and today I feel like, wow, this is like a great 2023. I'm starting off like on a right foot because I'm talking to you and you reached out to me and I'm like, fuck, I'm doing something good in my career. And that's the goddamn truth. But what I getting emotional because I'm very honored and humbled always my whole life. But on the August 31st, 2017, my grandfather passed away and my law and my uh, sauce was launched all across Quebec in 300 stores. So the man that taught me everything that day passed away and that day the sauces were uh, launched. The Stefano Faita sauces, yeah, were launched. And now with, with that so, branding, you now are doing panettone, yeah. wines, you're doing frozen yeah. pies, you're doing... I mean, uh, we, yes, yeah, so we have sauces, we have pastas, we have oils, we have vinegars, we have uh, panettone, we have uh, the uh, the organic wines from uh, from Sicily, we have uh, um, you know like uh, spreads, you know hazelnut chocolate spread. Uh, we have the tiramisu's, the frozen pizza line, which is incredible because that was a feat in itself. Because like they're using our pepperoni recipe with no nitrates, no nothing, cherry juice extracts, you know to to uh, eliminate everything that's like fake and all that, like all these things that I've learned over the years and and all doing so, like just pushing the co-packers and all the R&D teams of these huge corporations. Yeah, but you have all this machinery. We put a fucking monkey on the moon in 1959 and you're telling me that you can't take this this out? What are you, nuts? You can do it. I mean, we put, didn't we put a dog or a monkey on the moon in 59? This is like... 2017, 2018. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate that? Sorry, we can't do that. No, you can. You're yeah, just you, choosing to not. Yeah, you know, like, so, and they were like, yeah, but it's, there's always a cost behind it. Mm -hmm. And now, I understand, and Stefano, God bless him. I love him. I truly do. He's the voice of reason. Yeah, but the consumer at the end has to pay. But we all understand, him and I, that if it's not, if it's made like garbage, our names are on it. His face is on it. More importantly, yeah. but our names to it. We will not do it. We refuse. We refuse to do it because it's all intertwined, right? We all know what's happening. All you like, have is your name and your integrity. And if you work with garbage, you make garbage. Exactly. And and people and 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 you know this as well is that inflation is a real thing and families are struggling 
everything has to be budget friendly. Uh, people are just, you know, like food stamps is a thing. And I know this, I, I recognize it. I know it. We were, we didn't have much growing up. What we did have was family and a lot of love and like loyalty. And like, we were just like glued together, but we had incredible food, incredible. That's like one common thing that we always, always had. We make, we made everything from scratch, but that's like unique to, to some of us, not all of us. It's not every, you know, like my mom was a seamstress. She worked many jobs. And my dad, when he first came here in 72, 73 and so on, he was the janitor of a jail. Do you know what I mean? It's the immigrant story. So you're giving you're giving people a taste of your childhood and, and childhood with these neighbors. And I think they may not have the ability to make these things at home anymore or the education or the knowledge right. like you did growing up. Yeah. And family did. So you're giving them a taste of your childhood in a new way. Yeah, I mean, and 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 there's there's a history, there's history behind the brand, and uh, you know the, the the mission statement is always like just you know simple and good. That's what we do, you know. Like, I like that. That's good. You can't be what a that's you know you see these mission statements and they're like three paragraphs long. I love this. Boom, simple and good. And good. I mean, it's it's one of those things where like the parents or the the single folks whoever, all the walks of life that come back from work, whether you're a nurse, a doctor, anything, you're tired, you're fed up, you're raising kids, you're, you don't even have to, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, you don't have time. You just open it up and you just use it and know that it's just, you can read. And a lot of people, you know, my circle of friends and chef friends and stuff like that were like, good for you. You're making your money or good for you. You're doing this and good for you. Look at you. Look at you. You know what I mean? Like you've come such a long way. And what it is, is that at the end of the day, if I say it, it's because it's the fucking truth. It's just tomatoes. Yeah. And I, I, I want to sell it, of course. But at the end of the day, I stand behind it. I, it's not a, I'm not giving you a sales pitch. They're tomatoes, oil a touch of onion a touch of garlic and some basil and that's it and the price is going to be what the price is going to be if you want to buy uh, uh, you know like a jar of tomato sauce because you don't know how to cook whatever you don't want to buy like the san martanos of this world and all that but if you're buying a jar of tomato sauce that's 349 because you got to save money and the first ingredient is water which it is most of the cases you got to reduce that just tomato paste. You got to reduce it, reduce it, reduce it. So what are you end ending up with? Less. Pay, pay up front and you get more in the long run. You don't have to cook so, it as far. So, I mean, and that's what I started. You know, like we do a food for thought. You know, like I talk about it a lot and stuff like that. And, and you know, like it doesn't always come back to my products. But it's just to, to have, like, there's a lot of respect and pride. And I think of my grandfather all the time and my dad and like, and like they have, they're, they're, they're uh, you know, the, there's no devil. There's always angels, you know, like the devils are gone. That's like finished. That's like my past. <laughs> I love that. The devils are gone, but there's two angels. And it's like always saying, you know, like just do good. You have, you know, my grandfather always say like, you have the roof over your head. Kids are happy. You're eating. You have all the health and that's your wealth right there. Yeah. You don't need more. So, you can't be greedy. Yes, you want to expand and do a lot more, but if greed gets in the way, that's where you, yeah, you know, you come down. So, so then the so then you know like I, in all of this mix, I had a book come out that I believe I sent to you. I hope you, I have you it. got. I have it. Yeah. 
the book was a, 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 a good book. Um, again, Italian Canadians, Italian Quebecers. So the show. Um, so I'm really, okay. So I want to talk about this for a minute because yeah. one of the things I've always been bummed about. Yeah. I can't watch a lot of the rad shows you guys have up there because there's some blocking going on here with networks and whatever. Right. So it's the, the name of it is Manja Quebec, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm sure somebody can get a VPN in the States and watch it, which maybe I should do because I want to see it. But I've always really, really, the way that they produce the shows in Canada and the love of the craft and the product and the regionality has always been so powerful. And that has been the case with Martin shows and Stefano yeah. shows. And, yeah. and so I was really excited when I saw the announcement. I was like, shit. And then the, what is the first thing I said to you? How can I watch this show? It was, was one of the first things. And I remember you and I, we would talk a lot during the pandemic. You remember like a ton of the ends. So, um, so authentic and so real and so like inspiring. But, um, and this show is a pandemic show. So I got the green light in December of 2019, March, you know, almost three years. We all know what happened. Um and then I, I thought that my, my shot to hosting this show was going to die. And then uh, Francis Mitchell, Riverbank Pictures, reached out. He was like, no, 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 we're going to go ahead. But it's crazy because, you know, like, there's so many things happening, you know, back in the day. Back when I say back in, it's crazy. It's, it's as if COVID is like, you know. But um, we went, it took us two and a half years, two years to shoot it because of, like, all the restrictions that we had. Oh, wow. With, with COVID and stuff like that. And, and it's, I mean, now that I think of it, I mean, it was, it, it sounds like a basic show, but it was just like researching these six incredible families that have the same story as my grandfather. <laughs> you know, they left Italy um, literally with a suitcase and a dream. That's what it is. They left with a suitcase and a dream, just seeking out opportunities just trying to better themselves and give like a lot more to their kids than what they had and give all these like opportunities. And uh, uh, it was their one shot, you know, it's the immigrant story. I mean, uh, it's, it's not knowing. Yeah. They had some family here. Like my grandfather had my, uh, my uncle Mario, but they're like, come to Canada. There's everything. They come here. There's a ton of snow. It's fucking cold. Uh, and they leave like they're, yeah, <laughs> it's true though. I mean, it's, and um, they uh, and they they land here and they they worked all the odds and ends like my dad did and my grandfather did and uh, they 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 made ends meet and you know like you have the Fennelli family which is a beer family in, in uh, Quebec that's like doing Italian style beers uh, you have the Fuoco family which is making mozzarella di bufala. Uh, probably the largest in North America now. He just built like fifteen thousand square foot, square feet uh, place. You know, like where he's gonna make. He, he's got his own bike. He's got everything. The, his own milk and all that. You have, of course, the Faita family. You know, Faita Venditelli, Elena, and Stefano. Incredible. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. So and the Chamalia family, which is tonight. What you know, like. The uh, eggplant, you know, like they jar, they jar. If you're eating jardiniere in, in Canada, it's because of them, you know, like they. So, all that to say is that there's six incredible families that have so many similarities, but at the same time, it speaks volumes to me because I mean, it's 
I'm talking to them and it's like, I can finish their sentence because I know exactly, I've lived it through my grandfather and my parents. You know what I mean? Uh, many hardships, many, many, many nights like where, uh, you know, their husbands were working like crazy uh, and, uh, you know, the wives were like raising the kids. That was, you know, the reality back then, you know, like it is what it is um, back then. But uh, my grandmother didn't work at all. She was a princess. I'll say that much. And my mom would laugh, but it's true. Uh, she work a day in a, a day in her in her life she was taken care of but um but the the ladies that i did meet on the show livia and her mom and all that they're they're the like they're the gods they're the kings not the queens like they're running the show like they're really really running the show and it's like and it's amazing when you see these uh families they're just like together and working so hard and now you have the second generation the third generation so we're talking about the heritage the culture the history but we're showcasing quebec as a whole uh, so we're making you travel as well we're we're talking about italy so it, it just it works you know what i mean it's like these are serious subjects but at the same time like we're talking about food and at the end of the day at the end and then that at the end of the day community as well but it's, it's the food that, uh, who brings, you know, like everyone together at the table. And, and when you're at the table, Chris, you let your guard down so you can, you know, you can reprimand your, your kid and whatever you can have. You can have like a situation where you're like, I, 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 I don't love you anymore. Like, you know, like you're, you're annoying, you're this, you're that, but you're eating, you know, like the guards are coming down, but you're food not. transcends a- all boundaries. I've said that for years, right? Religion, <laughs> politics, you yeah. know, family feuds. Yeah. Food, if the food hits the table, it transcends all boundaries. Yeah, exactly. And 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 everything opens up and you can talk about anything. And and it's the, the most humane way of doing things is at the table because you're sometimes it's like going, sometimes it's like, you know, like going down is like acid, like battery acid, but you're still eating it and you're still enjoying yourself. But I mean, these uh, six families, um, they mean a lot to me because I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's 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 just, it's my past and and I got to live that uh, and and I saw a lot of myself with the younger uh, generation full circle you you just you basically just came full circle and you got to yeah. share everybody and you know I've been doing a lot of TV and, and Stefano showed me the ropes quite a bit because he's been on TV for a very long time and I got to learn a lot with him um, and just be yourself it was it was just be yourself like cameras don't exist and even Francis you know francis and david mitchell and his dad david is is a legend in the industry i mean uh, jim carrey's two first movies he was the guy he directed him yeah when jim blew up you know so and this this man david is 68 now and 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 david he created the you you remember the movie ski school of course i remember ski school who i mean who doesn't remember ski school that's david mitchell you know that was like every high school kid's like man that's gonna be it. <laughs> ski school. Woo! Well, David, I want to be a ski bum. <laughs> so that's Riverbank Pictures, and David is like, yeah, I, I got so many stories and stuff. Alan Thick being his best friend, and I'm like, oh my god, back in the day. And he's 68 years old, he's semi-retired, and but the story. So this was my crew, Riverbank Pictures. This was the crew, like guys. So I learned so much, like these like ultimate professionals, and they made it super easy. It's like just talk. Just go. 
talk, talk, go, 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 go. Just talk. And it was like talking to a family member. It was talking to my grandfather. It was talking to, and it made it so easy. And uh, I couldn't be more proud. It's crazy when you have a project that, that you work on for so long. And now, like, finally, it's there for, for a lot of people to see. And, uh, and hey, like, listen, uh, at least it's, it's all about, you know, I got a very good friend of mine, uh, which you know extremely well, Evan Funky, great chess, you know. And Evan is always like, I just want to leave a legacy. That's it. If, if I left something that was meaningful to someone, meaningful to myself, and it, I made it count, then I'm leaving a legacy. Uh, and, 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 that's, and that's what I'm doing, you know. And with my older age now, I, I have two young boys, you know, well, too young. They're getting, they're growing up. Uh, 16 years old and six foot three. How did that happen? Genetics. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Giovanni and Massimo. So, and I'm like, you're the next generation. And, you know, they got to know my grandfather a little. They never got to meet my dad, but my mom's still around and stuff like that and still healthy. And, and you know, like they get to eat the, the nonna cuisine. And uh, and with me, like, that's our job, you know, it's to, to, to teach them and to show them, like, just, you know, do this the right way, be respectful, have, have pride, just head up high respect everybody the way you would want to be respected just all these things that i was taught and just like and and when you initiate um a conversation be in tune with the person care it matters words matter because words hurt listen yeah yeah there's not enough of that there's not enough of that people try to outdo exactly listen i mean opportunity is good and if you see an opportunity Take it, but like, just don't shove people to the side. Just like, you know, don't be greedy. Uh, listen, focus. Uh, so that's that's what I'm trying to do. And be and please, like, just you know, just have respect. And it's what I learned. And um, hey, listen, people are gonna and you know this when you put yourself out there, people are gonna watch it and they're gonna cr- criticize because oh, yeah. it's easy, it's easy, right, to get behind your computer and criticize and all that. But like walking day in my shoes and like to see like where I came, I came, you know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And we're not uh, perfect. And I think the thing that's really important is that we're not perfect. We make not. mistakes too. And, and, and it's owning the mistakes and moving forward. And I think it's easy to cast stones, right? Exactly. It's easy. It's easy to be the person to throw the stone. Yeah. But nobody likes getting stones thrown at them. No, nobody. It's not. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> So it's no. a really interesting dynamic in the world that we're in right now with so much social media and so much um, information overload out there. It's a lot easier for people to make well, I mean, um, rash you know, decisions about people, whether they saw them in a television show or, and I think exactly. it's, it's a different world, right? It's and I think world it's- and, and we can talk about it a lot, but you know, we don't have much time. But the thing is, is that you have like social media stars that, you know, they're called chefs, but to be a true chef, and I know one of your mentors, Kaufman, I mean, that was like a true chef. That's like, that's like a chef, right? That's it, man. That's like, you know, the, the problem with, with the new generation is that one of, because there's the new, there's new generation that brings a lot, but we're talking about our industry. Most importantly is that you there you know there's a lot of bypassing and it's not about envy it's not about jealousy it's not about like that tiktok quote-unquote chef that made a million dollars overnight yeah it's because you're jealous 
because you didn't make it. No, I'm not jealous. Is that you're you're a doctor? You went to school. You're an engineer. Like everything that my mom said to become. There's no I didn't... TikTok. Thank God, there's no TikTok doctors. Could you imagine? Yeah. No, but all that. And I'm like, and like I'm, you know, like I had to learn the mother sauces and all. Like so, but the, the but the incredible thing about it all is that when a TikToker or whatever an Instagram like fame whatever like they reach out to like we really love like because you know, they have right the, the dms were such huge fans and they want to co collab and all that because they want the credibility the notoriety and i'm like no man i don't do that I, I, i'm doing my own thing with my values but you know what i'm happy for you i champion you you do you all power to you because i was taught be respectful and care and ask the questions you know what you should do instead do it like that do it like that go to school for for three weeks Learn the basics. Learn how to roast bones and make a proper sauce. You know what I mean? And why does collagen turn into gelatin? And, you know, all of that and all the science behind it. You can learn all that. Just the way I learned that caramel, you got to put in a Pyrex. At the end of the day, <laughs> I was 11 years old. I learned the hard way. So imagine at this age, you know, it's easy. Like, just go do it, you know? So that's what it is. You ready to play a game, my friend? I am ready to play a game. Let's okay. go. No wrong answers. Rapid fire. Coffee, tea. Coffee. Even if I don't drink coffee. <laughs> I don't, by the way, Chris, I don't drink coffee. I never did or alcohol. Never did it. Ever. Really? Never, 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 never. Sausage or bacon? Sausage. Flapjacks, waffles. Waffles. Whipped cream? Or without? Oh, shit. Uh, when I was younger, with without. I'm getting older now, so without. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Beef or pork? Huh. Pork, all day, every day. Chicken or duck? Duck. Oh, yeah. Favorite game meat? My grandfather used to uh, love to cook and eat uh, pheasant. So, yeah, incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. You don't hear that very often. True. <clears throat> Taco or burrito? Burrito. Okay, now it's going to get pasta or noodles pasta oh my god pasta okay bitter greens spring greens bitter yeah man after my own heart it's so funny it's so funny that the comments you get from people bitter greens oh garlic pepperoncino wow magical punterella all the way right now too oh my god with the angel oh, for sure absolutely Hamburger, hot dog. Hamburger. Ketchup, mustard. Shit. It's amazing how. <laughs> Why am I so. Ketchup, mustard. Dijon or whole grain? Dijon. <laughs> Nigiri, sashimi. Sashimi. Oh, yeah. Sea urchin, caviar. 
Oh my God, uh, sea urchin. Lobster, crab. Crab. Oysters on the half shell, clams on the half shell. Clams. Yes. Yeah, clams, yeah, yeah. Always. 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 Clams. Oh yeah. I, I just, you know. Clams. Have, yeah. Clams are it. Like, it's so funny. So rock rare in Northern California. So rare to get clams rock on the clam, Rock clams on a, on a pizza. When we first opened Gemma, one of the things, one of the first celebrity like chefs and like just like chefs that we had making a pizza for us was again we we talk because of your uh, your connection with him with was the the Derek Damon Derek. Clam, clams and in Guya. insane oh yeah oh yeah it was incredible and it was opening up clams strained all the juices put the clams to the side take the juice cream it reduce it and that was the sauce on the base clams and duya in the oven came out lemon juice parsley that's Ooh, it i could die for that one right now oh my god Any plans yes okay risotto uh paella oh boy okay so hold on my italian heritage the pole valley is gonna like kill me um risotto is a beautiful thing and i love risotto with all my heart Paella, it's, it, it, oh boy, it's the texture that I'm looking for. You know, the socarat? Yes. Yeah. I want that. You know, like, it's like that Tadig situation too. You know, the bottom of the pot? Yeah. I'm looking, you know, but I'm so torn right now. Paella. I'll tell you a funny story. This is a very yeah. heat, heated debate I get in with Jose Andreas. Yeah. So I always tell Jose that the Spaniards are lazy because they don't want to stir the rice. And he <laughs> said the Italians don't know how to make a fire and control fire. <laughs> so we have this. Let's compromise. Let's just <laughs> leave it like that. I don't have to. But I mean, it's because, you know, like we're love our foods. So it's like, but if I, if I would have to choose paella, yes. Because of the texture component. Yeah. Favorite, favorite bagel? Uh, well, I mean, you know, like Montreal style, San Diego, obviously, like I'm a bagel boy, right? So, yeah, so, yeah, it, it, you know, like you, you, you can't, you know, like we, I can debate this with the best of them because my background is that literally I've made it so many, like it's my background. So, you know, the boiled, wood fired, hello, you just can't compare. Toast a fresh bagel or don't toast a fresh bagel? You never toast it. Uh, you don't toast a fresh uh, bagel. You eat it just like that, five o'clock in the morning on stained theater in the Myland with a big tub of cream cheese and you call it a day. Yeah. Hmm. Meatball, sausage. You know, Chris, it's, it's, it's always going to be sausage j just because like my grandfather with his brothers, uh, they used to, I don't know how they got away with this, but they used to kill the... Um, and I was, I just saw it once. I don't know if it was allowed. Uh, and yes, it might sound barbaric, but hey, it was back in the day. I didn't do it. I was just a kid. So uh, they killed a, a, a pig in uh, in the, the tub. Oh my God. <laughs> from a farmer. They brought it alive. They kept all the, uh, the, the blood. And then they, right away, like they would salt the blood so it wouldn't coagulate. You know what I mean? 
So, and then they would make all the parts. And so sausage was like huge. I know like it was a simple question and I had to go there, but yes, that's my background. Guanciale. Guanciale all the time. Yeah, guanciale for sure. Favorite pasta shape, long or short? Oh my God. Oh shit, why it be so hard? Because everything is so good. In the south of Italy, a lot of it is short. So I'm going to say short. Homemade pasta was always, most of the time, was always short. So short. Last one. Last one. Ready? Yeah. Chocolate or fruit? (laughs) Okay. So quick little story. Last one. I'm going to make it count. During the pandemic, I, uh, you know, like the restaurants were closing and stuff like that. Um. And I went into a, like a little depression and stuff like that because nobody knew what was happening. You know what I mean? Um, and even if I was, even if I had a retail company that, you know, was was soaring during the pandemic, it was doing really well. You know, like it didn't, it wasn't the brick and mortar. It was in stores and people, what were they doing? They were buying, you know, so good, good business to be in, not in the, the restaurants, um, but, you know, like. Stefan and like, like, what do we do? What do we do? My God, these restaurants. So we, we found a way. We always do, you know, because uh, we come from, um, we're kids of immigrants, right? So you just, you just know, like you see it, right? It doesn't mean that you have to be a kid of an immigrant to make it. But when you see hardship and stuff like that, you, you just know. You're, you, it's as if like you're kind, you, got the, you got the tools in the shed and you know how to use them, so to speak. Anyways, so I... Um, I became a diabetic during the uh, during the pandemic because that's all I was eating was chocolate and ice cream. So uh, I had to. I lost. I had to. I lost forty pounds and I reversed it in nine months. And looking at chocolate today is very hard, and eating it is very hard. And I stay away from sugar as much as possible because it was like I had all the symptoms in the world. I lost my vision. I was like seeing all like you know. Um, yeah, I had all the symptoms on set. Uh, it was a very scary moment. I reversed it. Everything's back to normal. I take care of myself extremely well. I cherish the health, uh, you know, health above everything else, right? So all that to say, long answer, I would love to eat chocolate. <laughs> and I have eaten a lot of chocolate. But nowadays, it's uh, it's a lot of fruits and vegetables. And yeah, so fruit, fruit it is. So yeah. There you have it. There. So that's it. So if somebody wants to find you, they want to find your products, what's the best way to do so? Uh, Instagram or your website? Uh, give them a yeah. I mean, I don't have a website just because I'm more of a low-key kind of guy. Uh, but my, uh, you know, like the Instagram is always there, at Michele Forgione. Uh, Stefano, like our website, uh, com our story, our products, our mission statements, um, newsletters, uh, inspirations, recipes, uh, you name it, it's all there. All our restaurants, LNS store, I mean, it's all there. Everything is there. Um, but, you know, like I'm the kind of guy that you can DM anytime and I'll reach out. You know, and that's- don't worry, folks. There are sexy pictures of Stefano on the website for all you <laughs> ladies out there. 
There are. That's it. He's a very desirable looking man. But no, but so yeah, you can find us there or else. I mean, like, hey, listen, train, uh, planes, automobile, just get down to like little Italy, Montreal, the heart of little Italy. We're open. We're good to go. And and, you know, like what's cool about our restaurants is that what our grandparents did and what our uh, our uh, our um, yeah, basically our grandparents and our ancestors did is what we're doing in the restaurants, the pepperonis homemade. We're making everything from scratch. You know, like I remember like reading from your, uh, when you had Boccone. Hey, time ago. Were, I mean, so inspiring by the way, and, and whoever's gonna listen to this, and I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people, but Boccone was, I, I think I had a chance to tasting it because you had brought it to Derek. Like, I, I think it was like a, I don't know what it was, but man, Boccone was incredible. Ah. So long ago. Well, uh, we're going to sign off because this has been a good one. And we're going to leave on a high note. Yeah. Thank you for your time. And folks, make sure to check it out. These guys are the best. Get to Montreal. Don't miss the spots. Trust me. And uh, I will be getting a VPN so I can watch the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you, chef. I appreciate it.